Welcome to the Leading Real Change podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jacqueline Kerr, an expert in workplace culture change. From my unique background in behavior science, public health, and community advocacy, I help corporate leaders with evidence-based individual team and organizational change to create thriving workplace cultures for all. In the Leading Real Change podcast, I interview dedicated and passionate change makers about their careers, how they lead change, and what leaders can do today to make a difference, to build healthy, inclusive workplace cultures for all. I'm excited to share these examples of real workplace change with you. You'll learn about effective strategies that are working and how to overcome real barriers to change that challenge us every day. I hope you'll feel inspired and more confident to keep leading change in your workplace. Please share this podcast with other HR, DEI or ERG leaders who you know are working hard but are struggling to have an impact and need more support to effectively create a thriving workplace culture for all today. To launch this podcast, I'm going to share a little about my journey to becoming an expert in thriving workplace cultures for all, and to share some of the evidence-based strategies I use with clients. In future weeks, I'll be interviewing dedicated and passionate change makers, including thought leaders who have written books about workplace change, and CEOs and leaders who are working every day to improve workplaces for their employees. So why am I here? Sometimes I wonder if I was born to be a change maker. My name, Jacqueline, literally means usurper, someone who disrupts the status quo. When I was 10 years old, I was elected to prime minister for the day based on a platform of no school rules. I wasn't afraid to challenge the system. I also enjoyed being a servant leader and was voted head girl of my school. My first job was in advertising, where I learned from a pharmaceutical client how much was spent on persuading doctors to prescribe pills instead of healthy lifestyles. I was a dedicated runner. I had lost my grandfather early to heart disease, and both my mum and my aunt were diagnosed with breast cancer. I knew I needed to offset my genetic risk with a healthy lifestyle. I realized I wanted to do more than sell consumer products. And when I found social marketing where you sell brotherhood like soap, I was hooked. I pursued a master's degree in exercise and health science and a PhD in health behavior and community change. I had found my purpose to make the world a healthier place. I went on to develop, deliver and evaluate interventions at the individual, organizational, community and policy level. My work changed how we approach interventions and measure impact. But as I took on more leadership and became a mum, it became more challenging to be a servant leader at work, at home and in my community. And I ended up burning out. I left my job as a public health professor, but continued to support other leaders to secure funding for important life-changing work, such as reducing black maternal mortality, providing peer support for transgender patients, or reducing decision bias in dentistry. From this ongoing research, I have a deep understanding and compassion for the complex social issues that impact how your employees show up at work. 
And as I shared my burnout journey on the TEDx stage, I realized that my public health approach to change helped me understand inequality in the workplace, helped me understand the causes of widespread disengagement and quiet quitting, and helped me create unique solutions to address the roots of workplace culture problems. In particular, I saw that many leaders focus on self-improvement instead of collective or systems change. Now, I agree, self-improvement is important, and I've had to work on my own boundaries to be able to pursue this challenging work. But we can get stuck working alone and feeling the weight of responsibility. I've also seen DEI leaders expend energy on trying to change people's beliefs and debating the issues with employees and leaders who are not ready to change. I know how difficult and demoralizing it can be to lead workplace culture change today and having to face the current DEI backlash. It is also distressing to see disengaged employees who you care about leaving in droves. It's frustrating to be leading important culture change initiatives with a shrinking budget and limited support. And it's overwhelming to be faced with so many complex workplace issues that all require urgent action without a strategic plan. To top it all, your CEO is disappointed in you and that you're not having more impact. And you may be worried whether you'll be the next to lose your job. So I created Leading Real Change to support dedicated and passionate leaders like you who are working so hard but still struggling to create healthy, diverse workplace cultures. Danny McLean said in her book, We Live for the We, that Black mothers are not community advocates out of preference, but necessity to keep their children safe. Me, as an educated white woman, I have been privileged to follow a passion and turn it into a career. So what is corporate culture and how does it change? Today, corporate cultures include a sense of belonging and trust, employee engagement, worker well-being, leadership and professional development, and organizational branding. Workplace culture is created by the daily behaviors and decisions of employees and leaders, as well as the systems which reinforce these social norms. Employees who are connected to their workplace are three times more likely to be proud of their product and five times more likely to meet changing customer needs. A toxic workplace culture, on the other hand, is 10 times more important than compensation in an employee's decision to leave a company. Gallup reported that only 23% of workers are engaged at work and 57% would change their workplace culture. Disengaged employees are costing the global economy $8.8 trillion and impacting your bottom line. But a thriving workplace culture for all could result in increased employee engagement, well-being and belonging, improving retention and loyalty long-term, greater productivity and performance, improved leadership succession, greater diversity of thought and innovation, adaptability and resilience to change, and more satisfied customers. So how do we create a thriving workplace culture for all? First, you have to recognize that you're trying to change both people and systems. Unfortunately, there's not a simple silver bullet to solve these complex workplace problems. And a one-size solution will not work. But there are many evidence-based practices that can improve how you approach these problems. 
and you can choose strategies that best match your organization's need, depending on where you're starting from. So let me highlight some of the problems that you might be facing and how to overcome them. Let's start with you as a leader. As a culture change leader, you're likely experiencing some exhaustion and moments of frustration and even disillusionment. It's therefore important to protect your own well-being and empower other change makers to help you lead change so you're not overwhelmed and alone. Having a personal well-being plan and role modeling setting boundaries is an important leadership skill for a change maker. You'll also need to help emerging leaders to spend their energy wisely on impactful and effective efforts. So knowing what actions are most impactful is important for your company, but also for you and other leaders of change whose personal and professional resources are often constrained. By using evidence-based strategies that focus on the behaviors that drive social norms and systems change, you'll become more effective and have the impact that will improve your culture and give you the fulfillment you're looking for. So let's talk about building trust. Because progress is often slow and there's high turnover in DEI positions, it can be hard to get buy-in. Employees need to know you're committed to change long-term. One way to do this is to provide a roadmap and clear steps along the way. To find your key strategies to long-term change, you have to start with a broad vision and then you can reverse engineer to identify each key step that would impact that vision. From there, you create a logic model that connects back to the desired outcomes you want to see. This will help you understand why you think your solutions will work, what behaviors to change to have impact, and what indicators to focus on to determine progress. When you have a vision, a logic model, and clear benchmarks, you will assure others that you are working on effective strategies, that you're in it for the long term, and that you will be measuring the impact and meeting small goals along the way. Often people believe that change is some big reveal, but change is a number of small steps towards a long-term goal. Communicating your overall vision early and transparently with how you plan to get there and emphasizing your commitment to it long-term will help build trust and provide opportunities for feedback along the way. Let's talk about fear of change. Most employees will be uncomfortable with the uncertainty, loss and risk that comes with change, although they may not admit this. Also, given how much is changing in how we work, adding new culture change initiatives may feel overwhelming for employees who are already feeling taxed. Change fatigue and change cynicism are real. To help employees be ready for change, you have to create the conditions that make change easier to process. These include a culture of safety and belonging, culture of learning and growth, and a culture of caring about your employees' well-being. As some of these foundational conditions will include new skills, such as empowering listening, setting boundaries, learning from mistakes, you'll need to help your employees build confidence with safe places to practice these new skills and challenges that increase gradually so that they can gain mastery at a comfortable pace. Let's talk about being stuck in the past. One of the biggest obstacles you're likely facing is the status quo. To change the current culture you're working in, 
you'll have to understand the existing social norms and practices that enforce today's status quo. So you'll want to review current solutions that are on offer to see whether they're being used and are helping employees. Understanding the current system and what is working or not will help you identify gaps and priorities. Rather than starting with a new needs assessment, which is what leaders often think is the first step, try to use existing data, including stories or information from exit interviews. If you start with employee needs, which they have already shared in the past, they'll be frustrated at being asked again, and the process will delay your efforts in providing solutions. Instead, ask for feedback on existing solutions to find out what changes you can prioritize. This way, you're working on solutions rather than still defining the problem. Going forward, you'll want to get engaged end users throughout an agile solutions testing process. So let's talk about the big picture. Often workplace problems faced by employees are complex. For example, an employee who is a mother and a worker from a marginalized community will be experiencing many challenges that affect how she shows up at work. There are many layers to these barriers, and when you can uncover the root causes, you can provide more appropriate support. Often we find that there are common root causes to complex problems, which means focusing on these actually simplifies the process. Find out what you don't know about the problems your employees face by delving more deeply and uncovering barriers to change that are real, but often invisible. When you get to the heart of the problem, and when you understand the barriers at different levels, for example, the individual organization or societal barriers, you have many more opportunities to provide more effective solutions. And this greater insight into the multi-layered challenges your employees face will also improve your understanding of your customers and the communities you serve. With this added information, you can better align your internal culture change to external corporate social impact projects or public commitments. When you can show your internal work is contributing to and supporting other organizational branding efforts, you can gain more support for your culture change agenda. Let's talk about the smallest thing you can do today. Behaviors are the key to changing culture because social norms are created by the behaviors we see and in turn, our daily behaviors and decisions create the systems that guide the acceptable behaviors. New behaviors have to last for them to change social norms. So you need the right tools to support long-term habits in your employees and leaders. First, I provide a menu of potential behaviors that are guided by evidence-based practice. Having a large menu allows you to choose which behaviors are easiest for you to start with and also provides ideas for additional behaviors you can aspire to over time. It can feel overwhelming to incorporate everything into workplace culture. So I organize these behaviors into eight important categories. Healthy work habits, well-being inside and outside of work, safety and belonging, growth and learning, focused productivity, flexibility to meet employee needs, fairness in systems, and values alignment. But the challenge is not just identifying the key behaviors, it's also supporting those behaviors to become long-term habits. I also provide a habit formation plan that you can follow that includes evidence-based steps 
that will help you provide the appropriate social support, accountability, and positive reinforcement that will make a new behavior stick. So let's talk about how change happens. As I said, change doesn't happen in a big leap, but rather in a series of small experiments that guide us towards what works. So every failure is just a step closer to finding a solution that works. Also, when you experiment in small groups, everyone is learning together, which supports equal governance. This shared decision-making within a diverse team, including end users, results in more innovative solutions and greater buy-in for their successful implementation. Solutions that have been tested in this way are more adaptable and resilient. Testing multiple solutions also helps to give decision-makers alternatives and choices. Monitoring progress towards small goals from these experiments not only helps you to stay on track, but when you visualize this in a motivating way, it provides a feedback loop reminding you to keep going and reminding you of the benefits of persisting. Celebrating progress along the way is vital to recognizing the effort that's been made, as well as the achievements that are accumulating. It is also a way to make your success more visible to others and more strategic because it is goal-oriented. So let's talk about getting more support. Because change so often results in failure, we tend to do it alone, so others do not see our mistakes. But the best way to make the most change is to do it with and around others so you can leverage important social learning processes, including social imitation and social comparison. When you gather together and face change together, there are naturally more people involved in the change, but also more people to support each other as you go through the process together. Another way to bring employees and leaders together is to align your actions with other groups with similar values or priorities. You have much more influence together than alone, and the connections you make across different groups will help you see the broader impact you can have. You can also learn from successful strategies that have been used. In fact, systems change also occurs when individual pioneers come together, share their knowledge and test the limits of their strategies. It doesn't have to be from the top down. As groups of leaders within the organization build and share more evidence for success, then a feasible alternative system emerges. This process lets others see that it works and over time encourages them to join in. So to create effective social change and systems change, you need to actively bring champions of change together, formalize best practices, and intentionally share them widely across your organization. Stories of success are inspirational and show what is possible. And sharing important lessons learned helps employees and leaders see that you are making progress, overcoming barriers, and measuring what works. Gathering with other change makers internally and externally will also provide you with the community and energy you need to keep going. You'll find inspiration and practical advice. So let's talk about resistance to change. There is likely to be strong resistance to change, especially from those in power who have not experienced problems with the system and who benefit from the status quo. It is important not to assume bad intent, but instead try to understand their fears as potentially valid concerns. 
By identifying decision makers and employees' stage of readiness for change, you can learn how to best communicate with them. In some cases, you'll provide examples of success to highlight the benefits. In others, you may focus instead on loss aversion. There are many different persuasion techniques to turn a no into a yes, but it isn't always about showing facts or debating beliefs. Sometimes showing how the competition are making change can be motivating. And when you better understand the decision makers' priorities and values, you can better identify connections to business impacts that will elevate your agenda. Often change is a painful process, particularly when you defy social norms and the benefits take time to emerge. To offset fear and disrupt the dominant stereotypes, it's also important to provide immediate rewards to your employees that make the present pain more palatable. Incentives not only help to offset pain, they also indicate which behaviors are valued, making them more attractive and encouraging more employees to change. Even small investments such as recognition programs communicate support for change. Let's talk finally about making change long-term. For change to last, you need to update corporate decision rules to ingrain the new behaviors as the default choice into an organization's DNA. New agreements assure a social commitment to change and that everyone is aboard. Eventually, the consequences of not changing are publicized and enforced. And when corporate values are behavior-based, they continue to drive change. Often this process starts by providing some guardrails for CEOs around the language they use in communications internally and externally. Of course, you can't take all these steps at once. But I want you to see that no matter what problems you're facing, there are evidence-based processes to overcome them. And that there are many ways you can improve upon your current efforts by including new strategies. When you need help with a change initiative, I'll take you through a scientific process to check your logic and the evidence, align with collaborators and empower new champions, create specific actionable steps and build your confidence, test solutions on a small scale and get buy-in, track and celebrate progress and learn from feedback, adapt, improve, and prepare to share, and finally, inspire and scale and plan your next success. And if you need longer term and bigger strategic planning, I help you create that vision and roadmap, again, based on actionable steps and evidence-based practice. In the next few weeks, I'll be interviewing dedicated and passionate change makers about their careers, how they lead change, and what leaders can do today to make a difference in building healthy, inclusive workplace cultures. They include Emma Proud, who tells us about using systems change theory in global development and using the yes and improv comedy game to build a vision. Laura Hamill, who shares her tips on how to create organizational change through culture change. Alex Budak explains how leadership plus action leads to change. Helen Cup shares how team agreements around meeting schedules and purpose can create more intentional fairness and flexibility. Julia Boston describes women leaders who change their industries. Kim Scott explains how radical feedback can create greater psychological safety. Olivia Wagner shares how leaders such as Carol Bernstein created a family first organization. 
Rachel Shemirani shares how she motivated reduced work hours and took more vacations to role model life outside of work. Aaron Tobacco describes how they increased employee engagement during COVID and how meeting breaks and local connection hubs support mental health. Rosa Safranik shares rituals and communication tools that entrepreneurs can use during the stressful startup period when burnout is rife. Kim Rohr and Tony Jamis detail how they created a mental health Slack channel, which CEO Tony posts to regularly, and how his board and funders purposely support his vision for parenting employees. Dr. JB of Hope for Med describes creating safe spaces for physicians to share their concerns in a virtual world. Melissa Cooper shares how they created caring circles, golden collaboration hours, and paid leave with best practice guidelines used across the industry. Jared Pope explains how a third-party process to resolve HR issues quickly can transform workplace culture. Jennifer Harris-Kroll describes the loyalty she's developed because the company supported her when she burned out. Karen Price explains what companies can really do to change culture and maximize employees' potential through policies and practice. Kelly Robinson shares how she supports well-being of her employees during the workday. Stephanie Mercado describes how changing credentialing requirements changed an industry's values. And Art Sheikh shares that his company's purpose in a family digital legacy was matched by his attention to the importance of health and family time for his employees. Katika Roy provides the key steps to creating pay equity. Yuri Gnazy explains how incentives work to change behaviors. And finally, Kate Ebner shares what leaders today are experiencing. I'm excited to share these examples of real workplace change with you. You'll learn from my guests about effective strategies that are working and how to overcome real barriers to change that challenge us every day. I hope you feel inspired and more confident to lead change in your workplace. Please share this podcast with other dedicated and passionate people leaders who are working hard but struggling to effectively create a thriving workplace culture for all in today's challenging workplace climate. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope the podcast brings you fresh ideas, renewed confidence, and energy to keep leading change. If you need a partner in these efforts, I can help you effectively build a thriving workplace culture for all. I'll help you overcome the real barriers to change you face every day and help you lead real change with evidence-based solutions. In particular, I want to work with passionate leaders who have tried and failed because I know you have what it takes and your experience will help you clearly recognize the difference I can make. For a free consultation today, please visit my website at www.leading-real-change.com. That's www.leadingrealchange.com.
Yeah.